the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, for NFL draft fans who just sucked away 72 hours of your life, The Athletic has it all covered. Grades, breakdowns, pick-by-pick analysis, the works, all those things I'm uh, too lazy to do because the people at The Athletic are paid Good money to do it for us. Follow them. Go to, go to, their, go to the, your team page on Track, and in the right sidebar, or if you're on your phone, slide down a little bit. All the most recent articles for your team from The Athletic live on SpotTrack.com on the team pages. I'm sure there's plenty of draft analysis sitting right there for you to click on and go from there. Visit TheAthletic.com slash SpotTrack. Get yourself 40% off your first year subscription. We are also supported today by Dynasty Owner. Thrilled to be supported by Dynasty Owner. Dynasty Fantasy Football at its best. It's real NFL salaries, all the real transactions. You've got to go in there and make the updates as A.J. Brown is traded. You got to do it. Do you accept this trade? Is this what you want? $25 million a year versus what he was on before at about $8 million a year. It's a lot of hoopla, right? It's a lot of changes. There's transactions every single day. And that's how this works. Visit DynastyOwner.com today to use real NFL salaries and real NFL strategies and test your skills as both the owner and the general manager in Dynasty Fantasy Football. That's DynastyOwner.com. My name is Mike Gennetti. Got to bounce around, right? We got some football for sure. I'm going to talk quarterbacks. I, uh, I know I'm not supposed to take away quarterbacks from this draft, but it was kind of the one I wanted to discuss at least off the top because we're going to break down what teams did what and, and just as we go, because there's going to be UDFAs to hit, and I'm going to dive into that tomorrow morning when things become official. There's going to be more movement. We're going to have releases and trades happen because of what, what happened during the trade. So I want to take this more as a big overarching umbrella look at what happened over the past weekend versus where we are maybe June 1st. So we'll talk about the analysis of free agency plus the draft plus post-draft heading into that lull in the, in the offseason before we get to training camp and just assess the rosters. Big ads, big, big subtractions, cap space that was gained, post-June first releases, how that stuff all came together, and certainly all the trades. And like I said, I don't believe we're done with that. So I'm going to focus in a little bit here on the quarterbacks that were drafted and what that means for those teams respectively this year and next year. I'm going to switch gears to the NBA with Scott, Scott Allen. Because a couple of teams that got bounced there, I, I focused on Brooklyn last time. Let's talk Utah Jazz. Could be a really important team for other teams heading into this offseason for the NBA. And we'll talk Zach Levine and the Bulls contractually and Zion Williamson and the Pelicans again contractually with Scott Allen. And then back into the show, a quick dive into Major League Baseball. We're about a month in. Some big-time players who are making big-time bucks are at the top of the league right now in terms of, of hitting and uh, offensive efficiency. And what does that mean for the league? And what does that mean going forward? All right, let's talk quarterbacks. It wasn't a quarterback draft, but that didn't stop teams from going quarterback. Even in the first round, of course, Pittsburgh Steelers, Kenny Pickett. Here's the plan here for the next few minutes. I posted a piece in spotdraft.com, the financial breakdowns of quarterbacks for teams who drafted a quarterback. In other words, if your team took a quarterback in any round, over the past weekend. Not only did I break down the projected contract for that new draftee, but I ran through the status of all the other quarterbacks on that roster and how things kind of fit either today, next year, going forward, the possibility of a chance to play, things like that. 
So just a quick dive, deep dive into each of these teams. I believe it's nine, eight teams, nine quarterbacks, I believe. Uh, starting with Pickett, let's do it. Let's kind of let's kind of dive into this surfacey, and uh, certainly find more at spotdirect.com for the rest. The Pittsburgh Steelers took Kenny Pickett at number twenty. That's a four-year, fourteen million-dollar contract. So in a in a world where we have two hundred and thirty million fully guaranteed to veteran quarterbacks, fourteen million guaranteed sounds like change you find in the sofa right now. That's the difference between the rookie wage scale and real life as a veteran quarterback in the NFL. That's the kind of value you're getting. That's why, look, as we go down this list, I put them in order of where they were drafted. As, as we go down this list, there's just no wrong answers. The quarterback position is too darn important. It's why when we get to New England, I'm not going to kill New England for a fourth-round quarterback this year. There's just no wrong answers. I mean, there's wrong players. <laughs> it eventually, you know, most of these players are not going to work out. We knew that kind of looking at the tape from a college perspective. But just, just getting them in your door and on, and on contract, paying a couple of million guaranteed, it's worth it for the chance that Russell Wilson shows up, you know, in the middle of, of, of the draft, for the chance that Dak Prescott shows up in the middle of the draft. It's just worth your time. So let's talk Pickett. He was obviously the, the breadwinner here with the $14 million fully guaranteed plus the fifth-year option. He's the only quarterback drafted that has that opportunity. Pittsburgh has a need. They are on very much a one-year pattern right now with the rest of their roster. Trubisky signed for two, two years, a little over $14 million, but it's $6 million basically guaranteed all this year. All this year. It's one year, one year $6.2 million. Everything next year is non-guaranteed with no early triggers. So Pittsburgh knew exactly what they were doing here. This was probably always going to be Kenny Pickett, whether they had to move up or not, depending on what Carolina and teams like that did. They let him fall into his lap, essentially. And it's going to be a competition. I don't think Mitchell Trubisky is, in anyone's eyes, light years ahead of where Kenny Pickett probably will be come August 1st. So to me, that's a neck-and-neck competition. And Trubisky likely wins it, but... They don't have to. And I, I even put a tweet out a couple of days ago uh, during that first round. You could put Kenny Pickett, Mitchell Trubisky, and Mason Rudolph all in a one-year pattern. The $14 million guaranteed to Pickett, the $6 million guaranteed to Trubisky, and $3 million non-guaranteed, but let's say Mason Rudolph sticks at $3 million. You could package that all together, and that's $23 million for one year for three quarterbacks and then you can just walk away and start over completely fresh. If this is a complete disaster, or if Trubisky slash Pickett in 2022 win four ball games, you're going back into the draft. You know, you're going back into the draft, into the lottery, and you're taking what should be a much more NFL-ready quarterback next year based on what we've seen projection-wise. And the 2023 mock drafts are out, by the way, <laughs> unsurprisingly. So it's kind of win-win here. It's win-win here. I'm not going to say they're going to move on from Kenny Pickett after one year, but with 14 million, you know, that's half of one year salary for a veteran quarterback. So everybody here is kind of on a one year deal. That's how all of these quarterbacks that were drafted, I think should be operating. There's really no stability and Pittsburgh probably has the best chance to get the guy. We'll see if Pickett can do that. And if he can progress through camp and maybe not start week one, but maybe he's the week six guy that um, most, we get most years. You know, a couple guys start out of the gate now. Most guys, it's four or five weeks in. There's a bye week or something that kind of defines the, 
the transition pattern. We'll see if that's the case in, in Pittsburgh. But, you know, Trubisky also may be able to hold down this job for one year. One-year deals, though. That's all Pittsburgh has here, in my opinion. Let's switch to Atlanta, who did not take Malik Willis, took Desmond Ritter, who, after listening to the smart guys and gals who do this for a living and then all, doing a little bit of research myself, this might be the best pick out there of the nine. He just feels like the second version of Marcus Mariota, which is who Atlanta signed to take over from Matt Ryan when they traded him to Indy. I like it a lot. Now, I don't know if Ritter has near the ceiling of what Pickett and Malik Willis can be, but he's in that conversation. Nobody has the high ceiling here, but he's in that conversation. And I think he's in a situation, certainly with offensive weapons, not so much overall team, but he's got a chance as, as, as much as any to step into Marcus Mariota, stand next to this dude, learn what he's learning. By the way, Mariota's ride has not been all downhill, right? I mean, he's had his bumps and bruises, both literally and figuratively. He's bounced around here, never really got his shot in Vegas. So here he is. He's going to have the chance. I think Mariota plays all of 2022 based on what we know right now. But Ritter could step into this role. Ritter could become a better, better version of Mariota by the end of camp, you know? I just think it's a, there's a lot of symmetry there. There's a lot of complementary skill sets, uh, you know, tracks in terms of where these guys can end up. And Atlanta's got some weapons. They, they did a good job draft-wise. They did a decent job free agency-wise over the past two seasons. They're on the right track. And getting out of Matt Ryan's contract was a big, big deal and it allows for some parity now. So I think Ritter's got a really good chance here, maybe not in 2022, but maybe in 2023 to take over for Mariota, who has... Two years, $18.75 million, but it's one year, six seven five guaranteed. That's it. Total chop off like Trubisky. Nothing guaranteed next year. Uh, these two teams very much in a similar situation. They're veteran slash rookie quarterback. Tennessee was the one we didn't see coming. We should have because I've been on Tennessee radio shows for the past three months talking about how unsatisfied Tennessee appears to be with Tannehill, how we think they tried to move on from him, how we think they were in on Aaron Rodgers blah, blah, blah. Then they released Julio Jones. Then they traded AJ Brown. It seems like all the warning signs were there and we just weren't looking at it. This is always going to be a one-year situation for Tennessee. Derrick Henry, they could have got out this year on Derrick Henry. They didn't, rightfully so. He's still a monster. They can get out next year on him if they need to. If they're going to rip this thing off after 2022 and really kind of start from scratch and give Malik Willis the keys to do that, um, it's all kind of set up financially from a contractual structure for a lot of players on this roster. You know, Bud Dupree cuts off next year. There's a, just a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of signs pointing to maybe one big push into the AFC contention pool this year. And then if it doesn't get to get where they need to be, let's cut it off at the head and really start this thing over with this rookie quarterback. So Malik Willis gets a, he should sign a projected four-year $5.1 million deal with less than a million guaranteed, just this signing bonus. It's crazy value. You know, this was the guy who was rumored to be at six, at least by the media, right? I'm not sure anybody with any stature actually said that. Carolina certainly passed. Everybody passed. He drops to 86 with just 900 and change guaranteed on that bonus. So he's a total project, which I think a lot of the experts were saying a year and a half ago about Malik Willis. The physical stuff is, is crazy good. He did take steps forward. He did progress. But he's a project. He's going to need work. And I don't know if standing behind Tannehill or standing inside of that quarterback room is, is going to be what we need in 2022. He may be two to three years away from even getting the shot. 
but financially speaking, it's no risk. And I, I give Tennessee a lot of credit here for putting this out there after two big wide receiver dumps to say, look, we're, uh, we're not ripping it off. You know, we, we re-signed Harold Landry. We brought in Robert Woods. We did some things to at least hold the fort down. And we're not going to move on from Tannehill, but we're not going to restructure Tannehill either. We're going to keep the highest cap hit in football, the highest cap hit in the history of football on our books, at least right now. And we're going to draft the kid with value and see if we can push him, to push him up to be our QB1 for the future. It's a good move. There's no wrong answers here with the quarterback position. There's just none. You do what you do, and if it's surplus, then at least you say we did more than we needed to do to get the quarterback position right. So they're doing this a year early, like teams like Pittsburgh didn't do, like teams like Atlanta didn't do last year. And they're in that place now where they can say, our QB1 is, is above average. He has his ups. He's got plenty of downs, but he has taken us to deep into the postseason recently. So let's give him one last chance. And if we, look, if he surprises us, we pay this kid $921,000 to be his backup. There's no problem there, right? There's no problem there. So good for them jumping on this train a year early and maybe uh, hitting lightning in a bottle here come 2023. Speaking of Carolina, who didn't take Malik Willis, they also didn't acquire Baker Mayfield, though. Reports from the big boys say that was damn close. And it came down to Cleveland just wouldn't eat enough of that salary. And I don't blame Cleveland. There's going to be a spot for Baker Mayfield, in my opinion. I know there's a lot of push for just release him and pay that $18 million. I'm not there yet. Okay, I'm not there yet. There's total confusion in San Francisco, which we'll get to. There's going to be an injury. We've talked about this before many times. Hold the fork, Cleveland. Don't do it. Don't, don't retain $12 million of that salary or whatever it's going to take. And good for Carolina, by the way, as well. They had a budget. They had a number in, in mind for Baker Mayfield. I think both sides did just fine here by not doing this trade. It ended up being Matt Corral, who suffered that nasty injury in the bowl, but really has some athleticism. I'm not sure it's going to translate to the NFL. Well, you know, it remains to be seen. I'm not sure this is the guy for Carolina, but it's a guy. Again, no wrong answers. The 94th overall slot, four years, five million, projected $875,000 bonus. You know, change in change in the in the sofa cushions is all that is right there to these Carolina teams, especially for David Tepper. What does that mean? It means Sam Darnold's probably the guy. That's what it means. Garoppolo still could be a factor, as we'll get to in a second. There may be a couple of more names out there, Minshew, something like that. But I think Darnold has at least a chance to be on par with those players. Why wouldn't he be? He's got the athleticism. He's got the talent. He's got the arm. It's just, uh, I think it's a mental thing for Darnold. And quite frankly, he's been on a lot of bad rosters. And that's a problem for him that he can't rise above that. But I, I just think for a one-year deal, it's a fully guaranteed $18 million, the same situation Baker's in. I just think this is going to be life in Carolina for 2022, and that's probably okay. He's probably the best option from an experience slash talent standpoint. Throw him out there. Let him get one more run. It gave up too much draft compensation to bring him in. It guaranteed too much in terms of this fifth-year option already. So bite the bullet down. Let him play ball. Let him, let him kind of show Corral how this works and uh, go from there. Philip Walker's behind them all. He's got some experience starting. He could be a guy, but I think you're, uh, you owe it to the franchise at least this year without a better option to throw Sam Darnold out there and give him one, I guess, eight to 10 weeks of legitimate effort with a good wide receiver core, a tight end core that got better. You know the run, what the running back can do when he's healthy. And they have shored up the offensive line here in the past couple of weeks. So 
should be a better situation for Darnold. I mentioned New England, who took Bailey's Zappi in uh, at the fourth round. It, it definitely raised some eyebrows, but we've seen New England do this before. Maybe every three years they do this. They like to have a new guy in the room, which, by the way, they usually end up trading down the road. You need a backup quarterback, we got a guy. He's raw. There's a, there's a decent ceiling. Throw us a mid-round pick. We'll, we'll get him off of our plate here. They like to do this. They've done this for 20 years. So, And then I started to read. You know, a lot of the New England people that follow him, some of the national people that did the work here. This guy's basically like a, like a mini Mac Jones. Really good pocket presence, really patient, super good touch on those short dink and dunk passes, those six yard, six yard out patterns. He was coached well. He took all the steps forward last year to at least bring him in the conversation of being a prospect. Seems like he fits the New England model, fits the Bill Belichick model. Um, and really all they're looking to do here is replace Jared Stidham, who they're going to move on from. No question. Stidham's in the final year of his rookie deal. It's non-guaranteed. They can free up almost a million dollars of cap and cash to move on. So that's what they've done here. I mean, this is four years, four million for, for, for the new guy. $650,000 signing bonus projected. You just turn that guy into Jared Stidham, who just didn't work out, and move forward. Brian Hoyer is still the backup quarterback. He signed for two years, four million. And there's over a million guaranteed next year. So Brian Hoyer is probably here for the next two years, unless they want to pay him to go away, which is possible. But they're putting a lot of, uh, a lot of arms, a lot of, a lot of bodies. And, you know, in Hoyer, kind of like a mini quarterback coach in that room. You know, kind of a two for one there. So I get it. It's a very developmental situation, even with Mac Jones. And look, it's, it's just the, the Patriots way. They like to throw a new quarterback in that room every two to three years. And I think that'll be the case going forward, no matter what. They did it with Brady. Why wouldn't they do it with Mac Jones, right? Washington waited too long. That's the consensus for everybody I heard. They gave up way too much to get Carson Wentz. We've, we've talked about that at nauseum. I don't think I'll stop talking about it because I don't think he's going to do anything on the field to make me think, well, that, that ended up working out. But I could be wrong. So Carson Wentz comes in. He's obviously the guy this year. And... If and when they move on from him, it's going to have to be early next year because he's got $9 million more that guarantees like March 15th next year. So $28 million plus cash this year. He's the guy. That's, the, that, that's, that's what's happening here. Carson Wentz is the guy. For all intents, Taylor Heineke is behind him. But I guess Heineke could be on the block a little bit here. There's nothing guaranteed. It's $3.1 million cash. You know, there's some per-game bonuses, things like that. And he's got some incentives that rolled over from last year because he get, did get a decent amount of playing time and won some ball games for him. I, I guess there's a world where Sam Howell slides into QB2 and puts Taylor Heineke on the trade block for a better backup situation elsewhere. But I, I think Howell's more a, fran, a, a practice squad guy, probably needs a year. Do you risk putting him on the practice squad? Somebody may snatch, snatch him up. I don't know. But it's $360,000 guaranteed here. I mean, it's nothing. So. Wentz is the guy. I guess the only thing to look at here is Sam Howell versus Taylor Heineke, or is it just all three? We carry everybody and we figure out where we are next year with all three of these options because they could all very much be one and done in Washington. And we're starting back over maybe with a better draft pick and a better crop of quarterbacks in the draft next season. All right, now a couple of teams that probably don't need a quarterback right now, but did it anyway in Miami with Skylar Thompson. Look, it was pick 247. So this is basically just saying we're keeping them off the undrafted pool. We just want them in the system. 
whether it's a practice squad, whether it's something else. To it, it's to his game, we think. We're pretty sure. And Bridgewater, I mean, Bridgewater's a pressure guy. He is brought in either to win the job outright if he's given that opportunity or to put Tua on a very short leash. Let's be perfectly frank about this. They are, they built up the wide receiver core. They brought back the tight end. They built up the offensive line. They built up the edge rush. They kept X Howard on a new deal. They brought in some reinforcements around him. Two legitimate running backs now in the fold. Everything else looks great on paper. So if Tua, if Tua has this and puts in six bad weeks, I have to think they're going to move to Bridgewater immediately. It's just the way of the world now. So the top two is, is a, as polarizing as anything. Throw in Skylar Thompson, who's an outside prospect here. And now he's the guy in the practice squad. He's a guy in the system, a camp body, things like that. But he's there. They did it. And it just goes to show. Everybody wants any quarterback they can get. All right. That's what Miami showed here with 247. And speaking of which, San Francisco took, with the Mr. Irrelevant pick, took Brock Purdy, 262. It's an $86,000 guarantee. It's nothing, right? It's nothing. So we'll see what happens. There's so much question marks. There's so many question marks. I don't know if Trey Lance is ready. I don't know if anybody outside of the San Francisco room knows if Trey Lance is going to be ready. We know Garoppolo's not ready right now, and that's why he's still stuck in, in, in motion right now. That shoulder surgery pushed everything back and maybe pushed back all the San Francisco plans, right? Because I think, kind of reading some tea leaves, there's going to be a situation where Garoppolo would have been given the chance to, to, to beat Trey Lance in camp in the final year of his contract, maybe. Or maybe he would have been traded to Carolina six weeks ago. Who knows? Speculation for sure. But his shoulder surgery pushed everything back. There's a $7.5 million salary guarantee, injury guarantee on Garoppolo's contract, which is basically putting everything in, in neutral right now. They can't outright release him if they don't like the trade offers because they'd have to pay him the $7.5 million. And most teams are probably saying, look, we got to see this guy healthy and, and get that guarantee off of his contract before we can bring him in on the 20, 25 and change million and move some money around in that contract and make him work for us. So it's looking like it's working right up to the end of camp too with that injury. So there's a lot of question marks and the end result may just be everybody stays. They signed Nate Sudfeld to one year, 2 million fully guaranteed. He's going to factor in somehow, whether it's QB three or QB two. But I, if I have to guess right now, Brock Purdy is a practice squad guy, by the way, he's a nobody here. And it simply comes down to if Garoppolo's healthy and Trey Lance isn't doing enough in camp, there's a legitimate chance Garoppolo starts week one. And by the way, if you look at any depth chart anywhere on the internet right now, the big ones, our lads, ESPN, everywhere, Garoppolo's still the QB one. So, you know, the nerds and the media people are basically saying it's Garoppolo's to lose still. And I think that's how I feel as well. If he's healthy and they keep him on that roster late into the camp, I have a feeling he's the week one starter and they'll slow play Trey Lance into 2022, if at all, and can go for there. So it seems like they're going to keep three quarterbacks for now and Purdy will be a practice squad guy. But certainly San Francisco is one of those must-see teams heading down into training camp later in the summer. All right, that's the uh, quarterback draft situation from 2022. All right, Scott, somewhere in the middle of an NFL draft is an NBA postseason. It's a good one. The uh, second round kind of kicks off today as we, as we record this. 
I wanted to dive into a couple of the teams that have bounced out. We did Brooklyn last week. That's certainly the hot team to watch because it could be a lot of the same. It could be a complete start over in Brooklyn. I, I have a feeling most people think that the Utah Jazz are going to rip some things up. Do you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, I've started hearing rumbles of that. I mean, the the main person that I keep hearing come up is Rudy Gobert. Um, I, there's been some rumblings that I've heard with Donovan Mitchell. and yeah, I've heard both. So let's just go right at it. I mean, sure. Mitchell's the more tradable. Oh, absolutely. Right? I mean, he he's the he's the prime prospect here, but you can't win with well, I shouldn't say that because they have drafted some decent guards. They have, and they've kind of allocated themselves into a situation where he thought this might be coming. I don't think Gobert wants to leave. Do you? No, I don't think so. A because lot of he these... thrives in, in in the regular season on that roster right now. He does. You know, so the, all right, let's actually and, back, and, let's actually back up. Let's actually back international up. International players, they they like to stay where they're at. Look okay. at Giannis. Look at Joker. Look at uh, we're gonna and, get we're gonna get to the international thing because I have a point on that, and I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. But we got to back up a little. Let's not even talk players. What's gonna happen with this coaching staff? Is that is that where you think <laughs> is that where this starts? Because not only has he been on the bubble for two years now, but now he's in Lakers conversations too. Yeah, he has. He, definitely the Quinn Snyder situation has come to the forefront. Um, and you're right. Is it a situation where they've done what they can with the current coaching staff? Or is it they have to shake up the roster by right. getting rid of a player? Is it an and or on that question? Because we see it in the NFL all the time. We do. They, they cut the head off with the coaching staff. They keep basically the roster intact, right? I mean, how many... How many coaches has Kirk Cousins done this to, right? It's kind of the same situation, right? Kirk Cousins, he's a hell of a regular season player. He gets to the postseason, and the team just kind of buckles around him. It, and, and that's what happens in Utah, right? There's, there are stats in place to show that this can literally be the number one team in basketball for 82 games, and then the wheels just fall apart immediately come June. It, it, it's a similar conversation to Denver. And I get that they had uh, injury issues all season where two of their main players have been out. But isn't it a similar situation where they, they've done decent in the regular season, they get the playoffs, and they just fizzle out? And that's why no one, even Vegas, never puts odds on them with winning the championship because they don't trust them. Similar conversation with the Utah Jazz. They get to the playoffs, and yeah. the, the books don't they're they're not settled on the fact that they can get to the promised land, even with the players that are on their roster. But don't you think that Denver just continues to get the pass until Murray gets back, until Porter Jr. gets back, and they can actually see what that three-pronged offense can do? Yes. Right. Yes. So that's why I leave them in, in their own kind of world. Um, I agree with you, though. I don't, I, I don't think the Joker on his own is a is a singular playoff winner. He just can't be. He does everything in the postseason, but one player is guardable in the postseason. You know what I mean? Like you need three. You need a three prong attack. That's why Golden State has continued to work, and and to some degree, it's why Utah hasn't worked. Donovan Mitchell just kind of fades away this time of year, and Rudy Gobert is very guardable this time of year. There's been plenty of uh, advanced analytical work done on that. So I guess now we can get to this roster. Well, let me put it this way: Do you think it's Quinn Snyder and nothing more? Or do you think it's Quinn Snyder and one of these guys that moves on this offseason? 
I think Quinn Snyder has done really well with the roster that has been there. So if if I'm the front office of the Jazz, I think I would rather keep Snyder in place and mm. shake up the roster if I have to. I mean, look, Mike Conley, he's 35. He's 22-6. If you could potentially move him, he's yeah. got a non-guaranteed salary in 23-24. So he's a guy that you could potentially move off of. If you moved off of Mitchell, uh, you know, We've seen league, or we've seen teams be able to not necessarily have to rip off the bandaid and pivot. So the fact that you know some of these marquee players, you could get some really good depth. And Utah has had mm-hmm. really good success with their depth on their roster. So if you think a, a Mitchell is someone that you need to get off of, and you get two solid players back, and you think you can succeed with a Rudy Gobert moving forward as your big man. I mean, he's in the conversation for defensive player of the year almost every year, it seems like. So um, can I tell you what I think happens? Sure. I think this is the team that bails out the freaking Lakers, Scott. With Russ? Doesn't it make a little bit of sense? It's a one-year thing, right? It's a one-year thing. The only thing is, is the 2027 first round pick enough? Is Russ plus one first enough to get Donovan Mitchell out of Utah? It shouldn't be, but it uh, might be. It, it might be. And then the Lakers have a 27 and a 29 first round pick. So <laughs> are you going to have to package both of those? And or it's it's a fascinating conversation because yeah. more and more that I've been listening to, not to pivot to the Lakers, but Anthony Davis conversation is starting to really ramp up even more than it did at the end of the season. So uh, are you going to have to throw in the 27 and 29 to, or both to move off of yeah. any of those players? I agree. It's a one year. If, if you want to pivot now, it may be the right time to do so because Russell Westbrook would be on a one year right. high value. And then you can just renounce him the year after and clear a little bit of whatever you might have at that point. Um, so it, and on top of it, you'd be getting that extra draft pick if you could get it out of it. So you're sort of restocking for the future, depending on where the Lakers are going to be in yeah. five years. It doesn't make, it doesn't make Utah better though. It does not. So if, if the plan is to shake it up, and do this thing on the fly and try to find a complimentary piece for Gobert going forward, this is not the answer. <laughs> okay. Let's just be perfectly clear about that. You know, Westbrook is way past the point of being able to carry a backcourt, at least seemingly, or maybe this was just smoke and mirrors in, in, in Los Angeles and it was just a terrible situation. Um, all right, enough Lakers. I, I just, that's probably at least an option, even though it's maybe a long shot still at this point. What about Gobert? Because we talked a little bit about DeAndre Ayton. I, I know you brought it up with Keith on, the, on a couple shows ago. And it's a fascinating situation that Phoenix just didn't do the, the extension. They, they figured he, they could wait with him. And, you know, Embiid is injured again. There's just a, there's a lot of negative juju happening with, with the big men right now, unfortunately. Joker's out. We talked about it. Gobert's got his deficiencies come this time of year. Is there even a big man in the game right now, Scott? I guess you can count Giannis, even though he plays outside of the three-point line so much. Mm-hmm. Is there even a big man that you you absolutely 100% have to have this time of year? You know what I mean? Or is that narrative not gone away? No, that, it's not going away. It, 
I mean, you look at the eight that are left. Like you said, you have Aiton. Yeah. You've got Bam with Miami and Bede, who's injured with Philadelphia. Boston doesn't really have no. a big man at all. Golden State uh, either. Golden State doesn't either. And Steven Adams is Memphis's big guy, but he's in health protocols. But he, you know, yeah. he's he's a piece that helps. He's not the. They can win without force. him. They can win right. without him. There's no question. Correct. So I, I agree with what you're saying there. Now, if you're going to, if I if I'm reading where you're going with this, yeah, just you, how tradable is Gobert? You know what I mean? Like, what what is his actual stock out there if teams are looking? Yeah, I mean. At, the the price that he's at, some teams are going to scratch their heads and and double think at thirty eight million dollars. Or well, it would be yeah, thirty eight million dollars for next year, and then he still has two years after that and a player option in twenty five six. So, if you think he is a missing piece, you know, over and over we had heard Charlotte, they need a big guy. They went and got Montrez Harrell from Washington. It, it was okay for them, but they have some other issues that they got to take care of. But if Gobert is your defensive player that can really fit in and he's your stud putting around some of those young pieces, mm-hmm. he, may, he may be that piece that you're missing. Obviously, like we just said, in the deep in the playoffs, the big guy doesn't necessarily help, uh, at least in the immediate future with the, the, the most recent playoffs. But I think some teams will take a hard look at him. If, Me if, too. If he could be that third piece to the puzzle, sort of like you know LeBron and uh, D Wade, and then they had brought in Bosch. If Gobert can be that third guy, I think I think teams will do a hard I, look at. I that. think you hit the nail on the head with a couple of things. Number, number one, I want to talk international because this guy was a completely different player for France than he has been for the Utah Jazz a better player, a more diverse, a more, a better utilized. And I do think that's a big part of this. I think the Quinn Slander system has just pushed past the ability to properly use Gobert in crunch time. Now, right? Playoffs. It's, it's easy for Gobert to kind of find a space and do his job when the games mean a little less. And you can tell that there's not as much pressure, maybe not as much physical activity out there. But it's a, it's a different animal. It's just a different animal this time of year. And Quinn Slater's system just folds under pressure. So I, I, I am interested to see, even if it's still in Utah with a brand new coach, like what if this is Frank Vogel's job next year? Could be. He's got to be one of the top names out there. What if it's his job next year and he brings a whole different flavor and a whole different style and it utilizes Gobert differently? That's what I'm looking for more than anything, whether he gets moved or whether it's just a brand new regime that comes into Utah and changes the way that they utilize him. Because we have seen in France in the Olympics, Gobert shine in a whole different way. So that's number one with Gobert. Number two, you mentioned how strong defensively he is. This is a top three defensive player of the year every year. You can book it right now. He's just in the conversation every year. If he's the third guy, that's all he has to be, right? That's all Ben Simmons is going to be, Scott. That's all Ben Simmons is going to be for Brooklyn. He's going to be the number three guy with a little bit of offense, probably as little offense as humanly possible on Brooklyn, but just destroy, shut down a point guard and a forward when we need you to, but sit in that paint, get, grab your boards, play good defense. That's where either Gobert has to live as a Utah Jazz with new players coming in or on a new team, right? Maybe he's 
Maybe he's the replacement for Aiton and Phoenix, something like that. That's the right kind of team. It's probably not going to happen, right? Knowing what we know about Phoenix, but a team that has an established backcourt, an established offense, that he just has to come in and say, look, I'm just going to block some shots, make some outlet passes, and, and I'll do my thing offensively when you need me. That's the role for him, correct? Oh, absolutely. And that's why I brought up the LeBron, D. Wade, right. Chris Bosh scenario, because right now you look at the Utah Jazz roster and it's Gobert Mitchell. Connolly's there. He's had injury issues. He's he's aging. Bogdanovich is there. He's He can shoot, but, you know, he's not – He's not going to carry the load. So you essentially have two players that are carrying the load. And are are you going to ask the big man to carry the load if Mitchell gets injured for in a series? Mm -hmm. Probably not. He's not going to be the guy to facilitate or do anything like that. So I agree. If there's a team that takes a hard look at him and they see that they have essentially a big two and they can bring in that big guy to really get them over the hump, then have at it. It's just going to be interesting to see what pieces would come back because his salary is at 38 million for this season. So you, you would have to package two, maybe three. Um, I have a team there. I have a team. I think it's the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah. That would be a nice fit. Send like John Collins yeah. or Capella or and, something. And not back. so much because they are ready to win if they drop Gobert on that roster, but they have the salaries that they probably want to get rid of right now. Right. That so too. so they have they have two to three guys that you could send back for Gobert, but they'd still need to add a second option. They would. Because Trey Young was diminished a little bit the past month or so. They need a second option offensively to 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 complete the conversation we're having here. But I think they have the pieces and probably some draft capital that could get this done. So if they, if, if the deal is move Gobert, that's the number one team on my list right now. I don't know if that's the deal though. I have a feeling Scott that, and I'll, we'll finish on this, that the conversation turns very quickly to Donovan Mitchell saying, get, get me the hell out of here. I, I think that's where we're headed. I, I concur with that. Yeah. I think that's where we're headed. So there's going to be a lot of teams in on that one. Don't you agree? He's not my favorite player, but I think he, again, he's underutilized or, or, not properly utilized and also not properly motivated right now. His defense is complete garbage. He's not a complete player. Um, but that just smells Knicks to me. <laughs> just to I've, heard that, that I, yeah. I've heard that. I've heard that a couple times yeah. in the last week or so. Yeah, that so smells Knicks. Yeah. So, all right. Utah's polarizing. What other teams? I know there's some players and some player contract situations that have hit the news lately. I know Keith's done some great work on that in the past. Why don't we dive in? Because one of the teams that's kind of going through a very similar situation to the Bulls, this one, may, actually, maybe it's more Denver than, or than Utah, and I, I buried the lead there. It is the Bulls, right? Right. Levine's a prospective free agent, maybe the best prospective free agent on the market. They have brought in some significant names in Lonzo and, uh, and a couple others from Orlando over the past couple of years via trades and signing trades. DeRozan, obviously, is the big fish now. And while he cooled off, I don't think there's any reason to believe he's not going to thrive in that system again next year. What does Chicago do here with Zach Levine? Because the contract is big. Levine is a above average player. I don't know if he's a superstar in this league. And I think that's why the money is hard and difficult for him. Where's Chicago next year with this contract and maybe as a roster as a whole? Well, he's, he's not going to take the standard uh, extension that he could get right now because he can make more as a free agent potentially. It's probably going to come down to he he 
sniffs free agency, sees what is available, and a potential sign and trade is what's going to end up happening. Really? If he so really you think his time there somewhere. is done? I do. Okay. I do. I think he probably has, you know, probably has eyes on somewhere else. You know, it, it was unfortunate that that roster had some injuries towards the end of the season that yeah. just sort of uh, Im- imploded their their probability of moving deep into the. I mean, this was the, the number one seed in the East for a lot of the year. It it was, and and the hype was there. But, you know, Lonzo Ball being out, Russo being out at towards the end, they had stints of, you know, Patrick Williams, which injured. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I, with that being said, I, I think the path for him is obviously sniff free agency, see what is available. If there's nothing appeasing to him, a team that he wants to go to internally that doesn't have an option of of going that route, whether it's via the sign and trade or outright cap space, which there are not many teams to yeah. do so, then potentially he does a he signs with the Bulls and then says, trade me later. Yeah. I know we've seen that many times, you know, take the money and then say, all right, I want to be out now after a year or come trade deadline. He wants to be out uh, because if he signs as a free agent, his trade restriction would be December 15th. Right. Let's, let's go down that path. Let's go down all the options real quick on Levine. Um, the, what you just said, just sign, sign with the bulls and then kind of force his way out later. That's the best financial option, right? Because you can get the five-year contract. You can get the big contract Correct. to stay with your current team, at least, at least it, uh, through December, like you said, right? That's the highest value contract he'll sign. Right. Five years, uh, like two twelve ish, right now, based off of the latest cap projection. So, um, do you believe Chicago will do that? If if he says I'll I'll take it, I do. Yeah, I do too. I do. I think I think they showed enough as a roster this year to to keep the train going. Yeah, like I said, it was just unfortunate that they had those injuries. So you bring them back, and if Ball can stay healthy, Caruso can stay healthy, do whatever else to get roster depth mm-hmm. for the long haul, then you, you see how it goes. And then if you have to move off from him, it's $36 million mm-hmm. plus that you're going to have to. But then again, similar conversation with Rudy Gobert, you could potentially bring back two solid players for that amount or for a team that would take on. So, and we've seen this with a lot of teams where they're, signing players to these veteran extensions so that they have the team control to say, we're going to, we're going to trade you later, but we're at least locking you up to a value. So if it came down to it where there was no team for Levine to go to, or uh, it just didn't work out, absolutely sign him, have him on the roster. You saw what happened this year. Hope you can catch that lightning in a bottle again. And if not, then you've got options to move off of them at some point. Let's say, that is the case because I think it's the most likely case. I don't. I think Lavina go out there and the offers he'll get are from bad teams, and the Bulls are not a bad team. They got dealt a bad hand or maybe walked themselves yeah, right. into a bad situation come February March, but they can certainly run this thing back. I believe. Does that put Vucevic on the trade block? That's an expiring contract after next year. I don't think he's ever really gelled like they wanted him to. He's not that complete player that he was in Orlando. And I think it's a fit problem, not so much a Vucevic problem. It's another big man, though. 
right? I yes. mean, is this is this going to be a big man carousel this offseason? I think it could be, right? I mean, I mean, Aiton's going to have some sort of opportunity to shop. I think Gobert is going to have at least an opportunity to talk to other teams from from an agent trade standpoint. You know, you mentioned Anthony Davis. I I don't know if it gets to the level of where he's talking to other teams or he's just going to be attached to LeBron's hip. You know, Capella could be out. Steven Adams could be on the move again. Who knows? There's just a lot of big men, I think, that are going to be walking around looking for work. Mitchell Robinson in New York. I, I'm just going off the top of my head here. Who knows where, where Perzingis' life lands, you know? It, it seems like there could be a lot more turnover at this position. And I'd put Vucevic in this conversation. Is that incorrect by me? No, I don't think so. I, I, I think you're you're on par for that. And, and who knows? The, the, the salaries don't necessarily you'd have to package a couple people there but yeah i i think now that i'm looking at their roster gobert could fit in that's really right well with it that's right they do so have shooters in this roster for him with another player and a pick or whatever it might be i think he could actually fit into this roster pretty well with what's already there and utah would like the the lesser salary in vooch with 22 million and it's yep. a one-year deal and it's a one-year deal so you gain rights you gain a little less salary you get a player who could probably come in and play pretty you know Pretty, pretty close to Gobert, not, certainly not defensively, but pretty close in terms of offensive production. Yeah. And, and, we just fixed the Jazz, Scott. We did it. And, <laughs> and help the, the Bulls. And if you're the Bulls, knowing who is in, in the East already, you've got Embiid there. You've got to go up against Giannis. You've got to go up against yeah. um, uh, Bam Adebayo. So you have some big men that you're going to have to go up against. If you That's think a good Bruce point. His defense might be even more amplified in the East. That's a really good point, Scott. All right. You got anything else? You want to talk Zion or should we just wash it for now? I, I just feel like we're getting bamboozled by, by marketing media right now. Uh, I do too. And by the way, if we are, if they're just putting him in front of a microphone and saying, say these things, uh, he's, he needs new people. Because the things he says and the way he says them make it worse every damn time. I, it does. At, at no point in time do I feel like he is a team player who is just looking to win championships. Have, has anybody ever heard him say that out loud? I haven't. And every time I hear him talk, it sounds like me, 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 me. Can't wait yes, to get I'll, paid. Yes, I can't. Yes, I'll sign that yeah. extension immediately. Like. Which the way it was written or the way he said it did not sound like, oh, I'm here. I can't wait to be here long term. It sounded like right. can't wait to get my money. Like yes. fire everybody, Zion, because you're just saying the wrong things all the time. Fire everybody. Um, I don't know what happens. It could be he could get traded tomorrow. He could get traded July 1st. He could sign the max and get traded whenever that restriction lies up. I don't know why somebody would take on a poison pill with him, but even that's, I guess, a possibility. It could be anything. Or they could just let this thing ride out, which I think is the, the right approach from New Orleans. Just let the damn rookie thing run out. Let him get the restricted free agency and don't match the offer. Let, let that happen, right? Yeah. I, I, is he, I is he that. that good that that's ludicrous to say out loud? I think the ceiling is so high based off of the 80 some games total over his right. three years. We've seen it, he's so polarizing and electric that yes, but I agree. I think if you're new Orleans, you've got to see him play. You've got to see him yeah. in a situation over the next 12 months to see if, do we really want to pay him? And if you don't, yeah, it's going to be an eight in situation where you're playing and you don't have the extension, but they they still have his rights, so they could match 
the a restricted offer. They could sign him with the rights and give him the max if he didn't get that from another team with having to match. So they, it's kind of the best of both worlds from the Pelican side because then they're not locked in. And you know, what if? But it's not he, real. But it's not realistic. It's not realistic. But if they offer him the extension this offseason, he signs it. Who's to say he starts the season? Who's to say he? plays three games and he blows out whatever he's going to. So that's where I wanted to get to. It's where I wanted to finish this thing off with. Because I think you and I both believe that he's just simply holding out right now. And part of, and maybe a big part of that holdout is I want to take as much time as possible to get healthy so that when I am a $50 million a year player, I can live up to the billing. Right? So I'm going to, I'm going to suck it up to my rookie contract. And by the way, if somebody came out and said that in his camp, we would all be like, that makes a hell of a lot of sense. We, we get it. That, that's probably good business by your part. And the fact that New Orleans is going along with it, good business by them. Nobody's saying that. We all have to freaking sit here and be subjective and, and talk about whatever, you know, the nine possibilities that it could be. But, it, but there's a chance that that's part of this, that yeah. I'm simply just going to punt my rookie contract because I have health problems. I have a, a running problem. I have a weight problem, whatever it is. That's leading to this consistent, constant, chronic injury. I'm just going to try to fix it as much as possible. The problem with New Orleans is, and it's a basketball, it's an NBA problem, good problem, is that you just pay the guy because he's tradable no matter what. And in fact, you'll get more back if he costs more money. (laughs) You know what I mean? So you just extend the guy so that you have as much right as possible and you risk the chance that, A, he holds out still, which you just alluded to, and I believe that's a thing, and he holds out until you trade him, and then you have to go through this Ben Simmons situation because you got to get past the point of the poison pill, right? You have to get past that, that restriction so that... Which is a tr- year. A whole which year. Is a year. So th- that's where this could be headed. And by the way, the extension wouldn't kick in until two years anyway. Right, there's still one more year of rookie contract yeah, he, left on he's him. Yeah, got one more. This upcoming season will so be his. So it's not New Orleans dime, right? They'd be paying him what? What is it? Nine million? I don't even know off the top. Is it about ten million for the final year of his rookie contract? Maybe a little more. But whatever. Yeah, I think it's about ten. Whatever it is, that's the price that they'd be eating to leave him on the bench or let him go to I don't know Nike again and so in thirteen. Rehab. Thirteen is upcoming. Okay, so it's thirteen. It's not forty. Is my point, right. and. They would just be pushing this thing out. He would have his extension, his major extension. And then they would get massive trade compensation and they would never pay a dime of that extension. That's why not signing him doesn't make sense because the NBA has it built in and and everybody's tradable. And no matter what, somebody's going to take a chance because you you mentioned the ceiling, the, the, the chance that he will be great. And we have indeed right? Zion's agents haven't be to look to and say, we're going to be that. That's going to be us. It's going to be three years of questions and hell, and then eight years of Hall of Fame play. That's what they're going to say. That's what I would say if I was his agent. So the, the league is just built financially right now where you just sign everybody if they have the kind of ceiling that Zion has. You just sign them. And then, like I said, you deal with it a year later, and if he's great, and he all of a sudden he wants to be here because this team looks like they have a chance, great. You already had him under contract. And if not, that's the right time to trade him, right? 
Yeah, those are excellent points because let's play the game of he doesn't get the extension. He has to play out that fourth year. New Orleans does, never wins does, that game. He they, does they an don't. RFA. The only option that you have is, and you're going to be handcuffed, is wherever he wants to go, you're going to have to figure out potentially a sign and trade to get anything back for him at That's that right. point. And then you might just be getting... And, and everybody know, knows you have to do it, and they're going to give you the bare minimum, right? Yeah, right. You're going to get pennies on the dollar back for him anyways for whatever is going to get with that. So if you at least lock them up on the money, yeah. you eat it for you know a year, you let the poison pill run out, you trade them on $32 million, A, that is high enough where you're going to get two mm-hmm. solid players back, maybe one depending on who he's going for. So, and we know New Orleans is not a free agent destination. So if you can get two solid players on top of what you just did in the, at the trade deadline with bringing in McCollum and all that, right. they need a point. They need a point guard for sure. So they're going to hopefully address that in the off season this off this coming off season. But the fact that he would already be under contract at that value helps with what could come back from a salary matching situation, and that at least locks in that. The only way for him to get moved off of the Pelicans would be trade. And that's a great point. And you're right. That's the only way these, these small markets operate. And it's, and it's good that the league has this. It's good that the league is basically a free agentless system right now. Because it allows for all teams to kind of be in the same playing field. When you have a chip like Zion, and it's, you know, it's kind of a half a chip right now, but it's a chip. You know that at any point in time, even right now, the, probably the lowest point of Zion's career, they can hand that chip out, put it on the trade block, and there's going to be three or four teams at least nibbling at it. They know that. But if it's the open market and they're sitting there with $50 million of cap space and saying, come to town, we'll, you know, we'll wine and dine you in, in, in New Orleans, down, you know, down the strip, we'll take you to dinner, it's just never going to work out. This is not how the, the league works anymore. And that's good for the small teams. When you have the chip, at some point in time, you have to use it because it's the only way you can build out a depth roster. And they have, they probably have a good starting five, but they don't have the nine players that it takes to get through the cha- to, to three rounds of postseason. You know what I mean? They're close right now, in my opinion. He's a chip that could bring in two legitimate players, maybe a starter and a depth guy, which is what you need to get over that hump. So it's a great point, Scott. That's, that's how these yeah, teams specifically what's... have to think and operate. If CJ McCollum was a free agent, would he have chosen? No the- chance. No chance. So the fact that they brought him in and he is flourishing there and he seems to really like it from everything I have heard, th- that is similar situation with Memphis where they've made trades, yep, Charlotte. brought in pieces. And Char- those, those small markets, you're right, those small markets have to operate as this moving forward, whether you get your pieces in the draft and then make trades later to bring in. You can't operate with free agents. Those Free agents are for more so those that have the cash space to bring them in or those big markets that can wine and dine with what is within your city, for sure. Good stuff. Enjoy watching, man. All right. Have a go. All right. Let's switch gears to Major League Baseball a little bit. Certainly, uh, it's been tough to get some baseball st- talk into this NFL draft. Let's talk war. There's a whole bunch of wars out there. A lot of people hate war. A lot of people use war still, even though they hate it. 
we're kind of in that latter camp. It does tell a story. And I think it can't be used alone. I think you have to use this in combination with some traditional stats, some certainly some more advanced stats that take in consideration the lineup and the opposing pitcher and the stadium and things like that because baseball is just so unique in that regard. It's not one size fits all. So I, I do like what, how Fangraphs treats a lot of their statistics and they do have a, a better version, I think, of war than some of the others out there. So I'm just going to attack their top 10 right now. We're about close to a month into this Major League Baseball season. So it's starting to get time to really start to evaluate where some of these teams are. Cousin Dan and I have had some pretty good discussions about the big boys, right? Can the Angels keep this up? Honestly, can the Mets keep this up? The Blue Jays look for real, even though they had some injuries impact their their season. And the Yankees, they're winning ugly, but they're winning ballgames. And now their starting pitcher in Cole is really starting to turn a corner. So there's, and obviously the Dodgers have figured out how to be the Dodgers again. So your big, big teams, New York, California, are holding up their weight right now. Certainly those are the higher paid teams in, in baseball. And if we just look at the, at the Fangraphs war situation, Manny Machado leads all baseball players with a two, which is big for less than a month in. And the Padres have really turned the corner. In fact, the Padres have the number one and the number five position players right now in terms of Fangraph war in Machado and Hosmer. And by the way, this is all without Tatis. Tatis is on the shelf indefinitely with that broken wrist. So there's a big, air quotes, free agent signing coming at some point in the middle of the season for the Padres when they get Tatis back in the fold. So it's a really good start for them to stay in contention with the Giants and the Dodgers out West. And obviously the Angels have done the same, right? Otani has been a little less Otani this year, not as high lady, but super strong, super stable, super consistent. You know, he's not even, he doesn't even fall on this list right now in terms of war. It's Trout, who's healthy and right back to being Mike Trout. And just a ridiculous resurgence from Taylor Ward, who <laughs> is giving, abs- you know, giving the Angels and Angels fans absolutely no reason to miss Justin Upton, who was designated and released three weeks ago now and still has not found a new home. So $28 million out the door for the Angels. But Taylor Ward has been every bit the player that they thought he was going to be coming up here. He's se- seventh right now. Seventh in 2022 war. It's early, but he's there. And that's all that matters. So those are the two big teams with double up situations. Then we get to Cleveland, who is hanging on. Chicago's banged up. Minnesota's Minnesota. Cleveland's hanging around, and it's because of Jose Ramirez, who has who signed that massive extension, surprisingly, and just came out of the gates blazing hot. And he really has held up his his end. And he's had a bit of an up and down the past couple of seasons, especially early on. But he is right there. He's third in war, and he's the reason Cleveland is where they are in the standings right now, holding at least near the top of that division. And I'd say I say the same about his old his old buddy Francisco Lindor, who had a miserable start to his Mets life last year, kind of turned it around a little bit and surfaced things out a little bit at the end of 2021, but he's been blazing. He's been blazing. One of the reasons the Mets are where they are, he is 13th right now, 12th, excuse me, 12th in position player war coming out of 2022's gate here. So those are your big uh, Cleveland, ex-Cleveland players there. And then we got some Cardinals players. Nolan Arenado is second. He's been ridiculous. Certainly, he was fun to watch in that Mets series where the brawl happened on his, on his dime. 
But he's he's hitting the ball to all fields. He's hitting with power. He's doing everything Nolan Arenado has done over his career. And one of the reasons I got on this microphone the day after he was traded and said, what the hell is happening here? I still say that even though Colorado has added some pieces and they're a competent ba- baseball team, at least for a week and a half here, I'd still say that about that. You're the team that traded this guy. And this guy is doing this guy things. Number two in war right now. And then we round that off with Wander Franco, who got his big boy prospect uh, contract from Tampa Bay, a team that doesn't do big boy prospect contracts. They do small prospect contracts. He's been worth every dime. And he is a sleeper MVP pick in the American League right now. No question about it. Trout's right up there where he belongs. Jose Ramirez is in that conversation right now. But Wander Franco would be third for me in, in MVP for the American League. It's early. But it's worth having this discussion. The only other name I want to bring up right now is Aaron Judge, who's 11th in position player war. He's hitting the ball to all field. He's hitting doubles. He's not striking out at the rate that some of these big men strike out. He's playing solid outfield. He's just being Aaron Judge. The contract stuff just doesn't face him. And I think that's an underrated part about Aaron Judge, especially having gone through and grown up in this New York market. He's unfazed. He is cold as ice in those veins. And I'm not a Yankees guy, right? I never have been. And I don't believe that the Yankees are building their team the way that I think they should be. But leaving this guy out to dry and letting him get the free agency seems like the wrong move. Seems like the right kind of player to overpay for and and follow the old school Yankees mentality just a little bit with this guy to get to. All right? So he's, he's the one to watch, to watch because he's starting off really strong. Like I said, it's been a weird Yankee start, even though they're winning ball games. But he hasn't even been given time to get hot yet. You know, the weather's going to get warmer. This team is going to find itself a little bit more. There's a lot of new pieces moving around. They're going to settle into this roster a little bit. And then he's going to start getting fastballs. And then it's going to get real fun for Aaron Judge. So he's on that fringe of the top 10. He's hanging right there. Some of these guys at the top are going to dip down. You know that's going to happen. Taylor Ward stuff isn't going to last all year. I expect Wander to drop a little bit here, J.P. Crawford as well. But Aaron Judge is, is here to stay. He has been for the past three seasons. He's been healthy through last year, and now this year, knock on wood. And he is looking for a payday. So where some of these guys like Ramirez and Trout, Naranato, Machado, and, uh, and the Hosmers of the world, they've been paid, Lindor, of course. They've got their $200 million plus contract. Aaron Judge does not. So he's the one to watch from our, our view, viewpoint because what he's doing is going to directly turn into dollars somewhere next year in Major League Baseball. All right, my thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash Get yourself 40% off that first year subscription. Download the app. You're going to love it. It's ad-free. There's tons of content, especially on the back end of the NFL draft heading towards that big offseason. Visit dynastyowner.com. Get that great app. It's, it's time. The draft is here. There's lots of new players on, and faces on the rosters. And if you, uh, if you live in dynasty fantasy football world, you know it's a 12-month situation. So certainly time to get, in, get involved with DynastyOrder.com and ramp up for the 2022 season as well. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Chinetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast. 